This week on Florida's Fourth Estate, a new form of seaweed washes up on Florida beaches. I was just bringing this pallet of weed to the nearest police, police station. station. A sea rider trades in the intracoastal for the interstate. I bet some ladies will be riding on the back of that thing. That's all I'm saying. Ladies don't do crimes. it. Just, just please don't. And part one of our interview with the attorney who defended George Zimmerman, Mark O'Mara, gives us a Ph.D. in Stand Your Ground. It's tough. Yeah. I mean, I train lawyers on this, and they don't know it. Hi there, and welcome to Florida's Fourth Estate. We have a great show on tap for you That's today. That's an understatement. It is an understatement. I am Mr. <laughs> Understated. My name is Matt Austin. I'm Ginger Gadsden. And we have Marco Mara here. Hey, how's it going? Great. One thing we all, it's fantastic. So great to have you with us. Great as well as another friend. We've got oh, Timber uh, over here at Mark's dog, <laughs> uh, straight from Germany. <laughs> Oh my uh, God. And we are talking. Name, he's going to come over. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I'm sorry. Uh, That's how it works, man. Just Matt. don't say sick'em. That's uh, oh, all oh I'm asking. <laughs> wow. He really doesn't understand but how this works. Mark didn't want us to ask any tough <laughs> questions today, so he brought Timber. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about the Stand Your Ground Law, yes. which is something that has been in the news. We have discussed it uh, on our newscasts a lot more times than you would expect. Florida has a very controversial Stand Your Ground law. Sure. And whenever I think of the Stand Your Ground law, I think of one particular case. Oh, yeah. The George Zimmerman case. And that is, you were his attorney. Yes, I was. And you, did, you didn't end up going for the Stand Your Ground law, but no. I know you have had many opportunities uh, to represent people. Yeah, I actually train lawyers on that now. How Pretty, to defend okay. with it, how to use it, when not to use it. So we are going to discuss the Stand Your Ground law at length. We're going to unpack it. Yeah, because, I mean... Why is it here? What, mm -hmm. What's the point in it? And uh, when do you use it? And uh, I'm fascinated to hear your take on everything because sure. I know you know it better than uh, most people. I, I, yeah, he definitely does. And what's wrong with it, especially in Florida? You know, mm -hmm. and I think a lot of people feel like ours is just a little too over here and you need to kind of more over here. Everybody wants you to be able to protect yourself, but at what point does it go too far? Sure. We're yeah. going to explore all of that today, but before we do that, we're going to get into the headlines uh, that have grabbed our attention. We this have week. some really good ones. Yeah, we do. Uh, if you're out at the beach these days, boy, you're having a grand old time because <laughs> Florence has been churning things up there oh, yeah. and uh, throwing hundreds of pounds of weed out onto the beaches, Ginger. It's a different kind of seaweed, isn't it? It is. A more <laughs> it's weed from the sea. <laughs> from the, yes, exactly. Pleasant, calming seaweed, uh, but it's coming in the bushel. Uh, it's uh, 11 pound packages are showing up on the beaches. Yeah, and but the problem with that you know, if something washes ashore, like if a little turtle washes ashore, you put it back in the water. So this weed has washed ashore and no one's putting it back. Uh, As a matter of fact, they're, <laughs> they're running. They're, yes, they're taking these bricks of weed. And, and that's the question. You're not allowed to do that. A 61-year-old guy has already been arrested. Cops are now looking for a young woman in a yellow <laughs> bikini that there's a picture, Great of, her picture of her reaching into this bundle yes. of weed and taking it with just joy on her face. Mark, <laughs> <laughs> what happens if you steal weed from the beach? It doesn't really belong to anyone. It's not the stealing, it's the possession that you're not allowed to have. So no matter what, no matter where you get it from, unless you have a prescription, the possession of marijuana in Florida is still against the law. So if it's under 20 grams, which for those people walking in the beach, it's about that much. <laughs> okay. Uh, but if it's over 20 grams, it's a felony, and that's what you have to be very careful about because, again, it's possession. It's not where you got it from. Um, and unfortunately, 
once you get more than that, once you get into the number of pounds, it can actually turn into trafficking. You don't oh, need gosh. to be trafficking. Really? It's based upon the amount. Has to be a lot of pot, but only has to be a small amount of other drugs. Well, like someone was trafficking or doing something, because oh, how yeah. is that thing just in the ocean? Well, what happens sometimes is, and I remember back in the days, not with pot as much, but with cocaine in the 80s and 90s when that was coming from Colombia to the Bahamas, mm -hmm. yeah. and jet skis or speedboats to offshore and then jet skis onshore, is that if the cops show up, it just gets dumped overboard. So if you think about having a few hundred pounds of pot dumped overboard, it's going to sink to the bottom. Florence comes in and knocks everything up and brings it on shore. I mean, would you represent me, though, using the finders, keepers? Losers, maybe? weepers. <laughs> well, you, so you don't really want to keep it. Okay. Well, you know, no, you, I don't. A defense of finders, keepers will get you convicted. That's what you got to be careful I, of. I was asking for a friend. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And I was just bringing this pallet of weed to the nearest police, police station. station. There yeah. you go. Exactly. All right, I like that. <laughs> All right, so something else we want to talk about. You know, we just had the primaries here in Florida, yes. and we're getting ready for the general election. And the gubernatorial race really heated up. And one thing that pushed Ron DeSantis, he's the Republican candidate, over the edge, or over the top, I should say, is the support from President Obama. <laughs> and, I mean, when you President remember... Trump. President Trump. Yes. Oh, my God. Did I say, what did I say? <laughs> I was like, either one of us is really confused <laughs> <Yeah>. right now. <laughs> President <laughs> Trump. Yes, yes, that's what I meant to say. And you remember the ads where he had his wife involved and the baby. The and he's baby reading building at the wall. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so, and he got the full support from President Trump. But now recently, they're calling it a little bit of a divorce because right. uh, of the numbers coming out of Puerto Rico. Right. You know, the president says 3,000 people did not die. And Ron DeSantis is saying, well, well I'm well, good with the numbers that came out of careful. Puerto Rico. We have to be careful. 3,000 people did not die. Actually, I think about six or eight million people did not die. The question really is how many did. Sure. And yeah. it seems like a lot more like 3,000 than eight to 16, yeah. I think, was the suggestion. Certainly. So, but, yeah, but the number that came out of the survey, the independent survey, was about 3,000 right. or and so. That's, mm -hmm. And that seems accurate. Yeah, exactly. And Ron DeSantis said, well, I don't have a problem with that. I'm going to just trust that that's right. And there's now talk that there's an icy relationship forming. Yeah, Politico came out with an yeah. article yeah. basically saying that uh, the president was not N happy. Not happy at all. And, uh, and called him a, basically a traitor, almost. Yeah. And, you know, part of the problems with that is we know that President Trump uh, thinks of loyalty more than most other attributes. And anything that is suggested to be disloyal in any form or fashion is an affront to him. So when he says, I want you to vote for DeSantis, and DeSantis says, you know, maybe it was 3,000 people, like most other people have said, when President Trump throws more like 8 to 12, it's seen as an affront. Sure. It's, it's happened you know, a thousand times or more mm -hmm. since he's been in office, and this is one of them. And it'll be very interesting to see as we head into the general election where Ron DeSantis agrees with the president and where he disagrees with the president, because in the primary, every commercial, everything he said was about how he and sure. Trump were close. Now, to get those independent voters, the question will be, will he stick with that line? Sure. Or is he going to kind of try to become his own man here? It'll be fascinating. But you're even noticing a change in the ads right sure. now. Yes. 100%. So, we'll so we've got that going. We have normal Florida stories this week as of well. And this one, just you have to watch the video. You just have to see it. It blew my mind when I saw it. Strange sight on a Jacksonville road. There's a guy with a backpack. What is that? That is a Sea-Doo Wave Runner frame. Oh, yeah, look at that. And a scooter underneath it. It's legal. 
It is totally legal. We asked around. He put a proper tail light on there. I don't know how he bal I don't know how he stops at a stoplight and puts his foot down because it is balanced on two he wheels. He must have really long legs. Mark, would you I'm ride on the back of that thing? No. <laughs> I'm not sure why he would. I mean, yeah. why is he riding that, it? Are you that bored? I, that you're going to take some time putting a ski deal on top of it? I mean, it's kind of cool when you see it, but and I, you know what I appreciate about this guy? Safety first. He's wearing a helmet. He is wearing a helmet. God bless him. He has the proper lighting, and he's actually very proud. Of it. He spent some time putting that shell onto that scooter. So yeah, that it blew now, my mind that it's that will now be on his resume for sure. Of course, yeah. of course. It's and, fascinating and to I see bet, that. I bet some ladies will be riding on the back of that thing. That's all I'm saying. Ladies, don't do kinds. it. Just, just please don't. It does take all <laughs> kinds. <laughs> yes, yes, it does, Mark. All right, it is time for our favorite segment here of the week. The Floor Idiot of the Week. And for this one, we have a little sound and video that I'm going to play for you. And I, I just, I don't even want to say just, anything. Just, just play just, it. Just play this. 105. 110. Still going. So that is body cam footage from a fake cop. Does that look fake to you? He is a, no, that is his car, mm -hmm. which he used to pull over. An unsuspecting driver. He had lights in his car. He has full tactical gear he's wearing from his security guard job. Is that how you got here tonight, Mark? <laughs> I'm not allowed to say. We're a little early. Yeah, not allowed to say. So, but my favorite part, the thing that really makes this the Floridian of the week, is that his own body cam video did him in. All the evidence was right there. Here he is, and I am going 110 <laughs> miles an hour. And if some cop impersonator were behind me, I'd probably be going 110 to try to get away from him, too. I guess so. I mean, I love that he handed over the evidence. They didn't Just have to, amazing. you know, finagle it from him. But, you know, if he's going to play the role of a cop, it's like, here's some evidence you can use to convict me. Yes. <laughs> and he has been convicted before, <laughs> for impersonating a cop. What a shocker. First time. I know. Strange. I think and, you would uh, get better at it the more you do it, though. Yeah. You would yeah. think. Turn but, off the body camera when you're going to do 110. Yeah, but, exactly. but you're not advising anyone in that. No, no, okay. no, no. Don't do it. Uh, break the would you represent no. a client who did had body cam footage of their misgivings? I have represented clients oh <laughs> who oh have retained evidence that I cannot understand why they would hold on to it. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying destroy evidence. That's sort of a crime. <laughs> but good Lord. What are you thinking? <laughs> what are you thinking? <laughs> or just start thinking. Yes, exactly. That? that would be a nice change, yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah. Take it through a little bit. But then you probably wouldn't have a whole lot to I do. I would be without a job. <laughs> I'd give up my job if they gave up crime. Oh, I really okay. would. Well, that's very kind of you yeah. to say. But you won't be giving up that job anytime no. soon. And let's talk about that, actually, because, uh, well, I want to I start off just saying something I don't think I've ever said on camera about you before. But I covered the George Zimmerman case gavel to gavel. I was basically sleeping in a trailer outside the mm -hmm. Seminole County Courthouse while you were in that case. And one of the few smart things George Zimmerman ever did was hire you <laughs> as his attorney. Everything, he had, a, he had some other legal teams. Things were chaotic. Yeah. Well, they were in the beginning. Well, it was so they were saying really dumb they things. Were blaming Trayvon when they knew nothing about the case. And that's the worst thing to do no matter what is you Blame never look at yeah. the victim and say it's his or her fault. Yeah. And they, he hired you and everything just, I mean, it was still a crazy chaotic case, mm -hmm. but you really had a calming down. You were a little apologetic, at least for the situation. And I mm -hmm. thought, I thought you did a really good job uh, in you. that case. But a lot of people thought George Zimmerman was going to plead, uh, or not plead, but was going to go for the standard ground right. defense. You did not in that case. Correct. Why is that? Well, we have to sort of 
do a little bit of a primer on what standing your ground is yeah, and isn't. Let's so do that. traditional self-defense, you come at me, I'm allowed to protect myself. If you come at me from 50 yards with a water balloon, I can't take out a gun, right? It mm -hmm. has to be responsive to the threat. That's so the, the original law. That's just that's self-defense, yeah. and that's what we all carry with us from caveman days forward. You're allowed to defend yourself. Mm -hmm. Sure. And But you're not allowed to just go out in the street and start doing it. So then they came up with this concept called the castle doctrine. What that means is if you come to my home, my castle, mm -hmm. then I don't have to go to the back wall before I defend myself. You come to my front door, I can defend my family and my property and my castle right there. Right at the threshold. Yeah, and that's actually a difference because it used to be in traditional self-defense, you got to try and get out of there before you used force. Or Even in your force. own home. Even in your own home before Castle Doctrine. But okay. Castle Doctrine was basically there in the beginning of time almost. Yeah. So then what happened in the you know early 90s or thereabouts, um, people came up with this idea, well, if you're allowed to protect yourself in your castle or at your front door, you're not doing anything wrong, you can defend yourself. Why is it that you can't do that same thing on the street corner? Why don't you have the same right to defend yourself? So they came up with this concept that, of course, you don't have to retreat at your front door of your castle. Mm -hmm. Now you don't have to retreat from the street corner, if you will. So you can be on a street corner, and if I come at you with deadly force, uh, and you are in reasonable fear of imminent injury, and we'll go over that because those are cr critical criteria, mm -hmm. then you don't need to back up. And that is what stand your ground is. You can stand your ground. You do not have to retreat before making the decision to use deadly force. So here's an easy example, and then we'll get into it because it's, it's tough. Yeah. I mean, I train lawyers on this, and they don't know it well, and they may not know it after I try and train <laughs> sometimes. So, so here's the theory. You have a gun. I come at you with a knife, and now you're in reasonable fear that I'm going to cause you great injury. If there's a bulletproof wall right here, right next to you, mm -hmm. in a non-stand-your-ground state, you would have to walk behind that wall. You have to retreat. You have sure. to move out of the way in order before you before use deadly force. Try to avoid it. In yes. a stand-your-ground state, same exact fact scenario. Everything's the same. In a stand-your-ground state, you do not have the obligation to retreat or move out of the way. You can stand right where you are and then use the deadly force without doing anything else first. And that's really the, the true difference between traditional self-defense and what people now call stand your ground. I mean, to me, the first question I have is, what is the perceived threat then? Because something that may be perceived as a threat to one person right. may not be the same to, the, to another person. And, and here's the standard that the statute imposes. It has to be imminent. You know, I, I can't be with a knife 40 yards from you and then you shoot me because the threat isn't imminent. I'm 40 yards mm -hmm. away. If I'm 40 yards away with a gun, I think you can shoot me if I'm pointing it at you. So the threat has to be imminent, mm -hmm. and it has to be one of great bodily injury. So if I come at you with a water, you know, a balloon, you cannot, it's not reasonable for you to believe that I'm going to inflict great bodily injury, right? So it's got to be great bodily injury, and it's got to be imminent. But here's the standard that they use. It's sort of what a reasonable person would presume under the circumstances. And I'll give you an example. I come at you from 15 feet away with a black plastic toy gun. I pick it up. Can you shoot me? Absolutely. It's a gun. You don't have to presume or find out that it's a toy. 
you can presume reasonably that it's a real it's a gun. It doesn't have to be a real gun. You can shoot me. And that's a legitimate self-defense event. And under a stand-your-ground statute, you can shoot me without backing away from that gun. So it's under the circumstances that exist at the time you are perceiving them. And that's it's something you got to think through. That's tough. It, well, it, yeah. I mean, and it, it all happens so quickly, too. Yeah, that's the problem because what I just said to you, you have to think about it as a reasonable person would. That sort of makes sense. We'll look at it in the cold light of day. But now dump a quarter ounce of adrenaline into your system, mm. mm-hmm. which is what your brain does to you when it feels threatened. It says, get the hell out of there. Yeah. Um, your blood pressure doubles. Your heart rate goes up. Literally, you can't hear as well. Your eyes go tunnel vision. And it, it sounds like you're just saying it on paper. It really happens to people. I'll tell you a story about a deposition of a cop that I took, if we have time. So now try and decide what's rational and what's an appropriate response when your brain is telling you, just keep breathing, you're going to die, do whatever you need to do to just keep breathing. And so once you add that to the mix, it's even more difficult. Mm-hmm. So, so, okay, you, now that we have a baseline, okay, let's talk. Well, I wanna, there's a few cases. We've got some sure. video I want to show you. Let's talk about the Zimmerman case because right. uh, uh, everybody knows the case, but just to, as a little refresher, he started following a young man who looked suspicious in his eyes. Correct. And uh, according to your defense, you know, at some point, Trayvon Martin started punching him. Mm-hmm. George Zimmerman on the ground pulls a gun, shoots Trayvon Martin. Correct. So where does Stand Your Ground not come in with this case? Well, Stand Your Ground, if you think about it with the example of the definition we just gave it, Stand Your Ground is the difference between having to retreat or not, mm-hmm. right? So in a Stand Your Ground state, you don't have to retreat. So if my back is up against a wall and both of you are coming at me, right, from either side, is it a Stand Your Ground case or not? It's not a Stand Your Ground case for this reason. I have no place to retreat to. I got a brick wall behind me and you guys are in front of me. Now, if there was no brick wall, can I retreat and run backwards? Okay, yes. See, that's the difference in the Zimmerman case because the reason why it wasn't a stand your ground case was because he was on the ground and could not get up. The wall was his ground. The wall, yeah, the, fo- the floor was his wall. Yeah, the yeah, wall yeah. was his ground. So that's the only reason why it wasn't stand your ground. It was just traditional self-defense, which is I'm here, I think I'm perceiving that you are about to inflict great bodily injury. It's imminent, you're doing it now, so I can shoot you. Now, here's the real question. If that same exact scenario between Trayvon and George was happening and they were both standing up, Mm -hmm. meaning that George could have retreated or could have run away from the fight, after all, nobody said that Trayvon had a weapon. So once you back away from Trayvon, then the threat goes away a little bit, right? Get out of his arm's reach. Mm -hmm. So what would have happened if he had stood, if they were both standing up and the fight was happening? Mm -hmm. That would have made it a stand your ground case. Okay. Because now you have to argue, well, George has the stand your ground benefit. He does not need to retreat from the fight before using deadly force. I've never heard that explained. Well, and that's the problem with a stand your ground statute where standing up against each other, you could back away without a lot of danger to yourself because here's one of the essence points of the stand your ground statute why should i have to do anything that might put myself at greater risk why should i have to retreat turn and run away why should i have to do anything when i could be at greater risk that's sort of the essence of why the non-retreat 
exist. Mm -hmm. Why should I risk it? I have a gun. You're threatening me. I can use it. You know, now there's a humanist side of it, which is, well, maybe you can. In the Trayvon Martin, George Zimmerman case, where they're standing up, Mm -hmm. then you know, the idea of, okay, I'm getting punched by this guy, but if I back away five feet and he doesn't come at me, which we'll look at with the Tresca case maybe, yeah. um, you know, if you back away from it and, and put distance, then maybe the threat diminishes, and so does the imminent nature of the threat, if you really think it through. Yeah. If I get 15 feet away from you and all you have is fists, is it really imminent right. anymore? Yeah. But, you know, many people argue that he put himself in that position because right. it wouldn't have happened in the first place but if you're for not George. Exactly. Right. So we have an answer to that. Under the law, if you are where you are allowed to be um, and not committing a crime, then it's okay. And if you think about it, not just on George's behalf, but if you think about how are we going to determine what you're doing wrong as the aggressor before you shoot, how are we going to figure that out? Well, it's pretty easy. If you're committing a crime, mm -hmm. if you're battering her, if you're breaking into her house, if you're doing some other crime, then you don't get the benefit of the statute. And it says that in the statute. But what about if you're just being a punk or a jerk yeah. or you're cursing at her or you're calling her things you shouldn't be calling her? Mm -hmm. um, now, you know, do you lose the protection of the statute? No, mm. you don't because how fine a line do you want to do? You know, so yeah. if you say... I don't like your hair today. Does that make you lose the statute? Mm -hmm. No. So we said you get the protection of the statute. Everybody does unless you're committing a crime. So even if you're being racist, you're, you get possibly, Correct. you know, you Correct. get protection from that statute unless you're breaking Because being the law. a racist is not a crime. Yeah. It's well. a human event. <laughs> yes. but it's not a crime. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and if you're not committing a crime. Now, what they were trying to argue at one point was that George was committing the crime of like stalking or yeah, harassment or something like that, trespassing. Mm -hmm. yeah, and they were trying that, but it really wasn't a good argument because they just weren't crimes. Yeah. Um, but that really is, and if you really think about it from an enforcement perspective, you have to have some standards. It has to be imminent. You know, again, if you're 20 feet away, it's not imminent. It has to be great bodily injury. If I'm hitting you with a rubber mallet, it's not great bodily injury. And if I'm not committing a crime, um, or some other, you know, very specific event, um, then I get the benefit of the statute. Yeah. And that really makes some sense. I have always been very interested in stand your ground. I think people should have the right to protect themselves, not run away and put yourself in danger. But this latest story really got me, and we have some surveillance video of this. You mentioned it. It's the uh, Drejka case. Yeah. Uh, and if we can show this video for you, fill in the back. So basically picture, you see that guy? It's kind of yeah. the top left corner. He shoves this guy down. Now, and then the guy points the gun up. That's Drejka. And you yeah. can see how he shoots him and then the gentleman. Now, mm. the backstory here, this guy was in the gas station. This is in Clearwater, Florida. Clearwater, Florida. Yes. Pinellas yeah. County. Uh, this, this man was in the gas station. Drejka was out there yelling at his wife. So if I'm somewhere and I hear someone yelling at my wife, I'm coming at you with everything yep. I have. I so agree. He comes out. He shoves Drejka to the ground. Drejka then appears to stop. He doesn't He doesn't keep beating him in the head yeah. or anything like that. He actually backs up three or yeah, four he, steps. Yeah, he backs up, uh, but he's protecting his wife, which mm -hmm. I uh, am something that well, I'm a of fan course. of. Yeah. Just, then the guy on the ground, you see him clearly pull that weapon right out. We've highlighted it, and he shoots him right in yeah. front of his family. Yeah. And, and, and this is oof. a guy 
who had been warned to stay away from this gas station before, and right. he felt, uh, in a way, people were saying, he's patrolling this area, and it's really not his job to patrol it. And he was upset because these people had parked in a handicapped spot. Right. And that's why he was confronting the wife while the husband right. was in the store. So when we look at this video and know nothing else about anybody, yeah. just look at the video, and you sit back and you go, now let's use our analysis. Um, was there a violent event? Yeah, I mean, we have to acknowledge that he was thrown yeah. to the ground. Um, does he have the right to protect himself at that point? Yes. Um, that quarter of an ounce of adrenaline is rushing through him, right? Mm -hmm. So he's, he's perceiving what he's perceiving with, with heightened emotions, whatever you want to call it. Um, so does he have the justification of saying, in my brain, under the circumstances as I see them, am I justified in protecting myself? And there's an argument that, well, okay, it's a close call, it was a quick shot, blah, 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 he did get thrown to the ground, that's a crime, by the way, that happened, so maybe we'll give him, you know, it's a close call, and that's what the sheriff said. At first. Sheriff, yeah, the sheriff yeah. goes out and says, good shooting. I'm not arresting him. Now, don't forget, under that same statute that we're now talking about, if you arrest somebody improperly for a crime to which they have self-defense immunity, you can be held liable. So really, I didn't oh, know yeah. that. Wow, these sheriffs around the around the state are going. I got to be real careful here. I'm not well, that makes sense because I think it's uh, Sheriff Bob Gualteri. Uh, mm -hmm. He's an attorney, so he yes. probably well, he knows knew the out. law. Yes, and he knows <laughs> to keep himself out of liability. Yes. So what he did, and I'm I'm actually okay with him saying, I'm not arresting him. That's what we have a state attorney for, and I'm okay with him saying. You know, one, is the guy going anywhere? Does he have ties to the community and all that? I mean, if he's a homeless guy or if he's somebody who has no connection to, maybe keep him around. But if you know he's in the area, you know who he is, then the idea of waiting until the state attorney's office makes the decision on what he has to, probable cause that a crime was committed, I'm even okay with all of that. So you look at this video and it's sort of like, okay, that's a close enough call. Maybe we shouldn't arrest. But then you find out about this guy's history. Yeah. Yes. And that changes the entire analysis. And, and I'm okay with waiting until that analysis is done. We'll talk about the boat case, and I think that analysis still needs to be done. But so in the Dreska case, they found out two or three other times this guy is brandishing his weapon. One time, I think, and you guys know better than I, two people in a car in a school zone were going too slow yeah. in front of him. Too slow in a school yeah. zone. And he, he really wraps made, around He them. made himself sheriff of whatever right. that little yes. area was. And then there was another guy who he warned to stay out of the parking lot and used it and called him a, a really horrible word yes. that you shouldn't say to a black person or, or any person. Mm -hmm. So with that kind of history, I, I feel like, I mean, well, the court of public opinion wanted this guy arrested initially, immediately, anyway. Right. And then they look at it and go, maybe it's a close call and all that. But, but here's the thing about those prior events is they show the history, they yep. show the bias, and they show who this guy is. Because if, if that was me and I'm sitting there going, hey, that was my parking place, I'm ticked off at you, mm -hmm. and then the guy comes out and knocks me down, and I go, he's, at that point, don't forget, the guy who knocks me down looks about 12 feet tall. Because you're That's on the what ground. your brain sure. does to mm -hmm. you. You're looking up, and I take out my gun. Great. They look at my history, and I have no history of stuff like that. So you can say, okay, maybe O'Mara was reacting to the moment. But when you see a guy who likes using his gun as a power toy, which is exactly what this guy was doing, now you have to shift exactly what he was thinking. Because now you look at that video and go, okay, he's a punk 
who's yelling at a woman mm -hmm. with children in the car, mm -hmm. don't do that. J just leave a yep. woman and a mother be. They're yeah. moms. Let them be. And if they're parked in a, a bad whatever. spot, yeah, Call exactly. the police. Yeah, yeah, do whatever. But, yeah. but then, and you see the guy get knocked down. Now what I see when I look at that video, knowing his history, is this guy's a cowboy. He's a wild man with He's a gun. He's looking for trouble. Taking yeah. any opportunity to use it. And that's what the jury is going to think. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I feel like that's how people interpret stand your ground. They do. And they, do. I, they do collapse it a little bit. And, yeah. and understandably, because the stand your ground statute, if you look at it in a vacuum, pre-Zimmerman, if you look at that case, oh, I'm sorry, the statute, and read it without any of the racial overtones, and we'll get into racial overtones, because that just exists in the entire system which is why it exists in the murder statute and why it exists in the standing ground statute. When the system's tilted, everything within it is. But if you look at that statute, it's not horrible on its face. If you threaten me and it's immediate and it's severe, I can protect myself and I ain't got to turn tail and run. I, I can almost sell that to people. The problem with it is that when the Zimmerman case came about, if I had asked you the day before Zimmerman happened, Tell me about standing ground case. You would go, what is, what that? is that? No clue. Nobody knew about it. Nobody knew about it. Law enforcement knew about it a little bit. We as defense attorneys sort of knew about it. But nobody knew about it. And then when the Zimmerman case hit, it became, you know, where's the beef of, of the 2012? I mean, it was the statement that everybody talked about. Mm -hmm. um, the black community looked at it and said, it is nothing but a statute which allows people to kill us and get away with it. And people with guns looked at it and said, I can do what I need to do to protect myself, and I'm going to, and I'm protected by the statute. So the unfortunate thing, sort of, about Zimmerman is that it brought this statutory protection that was sort of off to the side that nobody thought about and dragged it into front and center so that everybody who wants to have an opinion about it now has one. And unfortunately, a certain percentage of the population look at that statute and say, I can, I can do this, and yeah. I'm okay. It's interesting how much has changed since uh -huh. then. And now we have all these cases, including one that you are now personally involved in. Yes. Uh, before we talk about the case, I want to show the video as well on sure. this. And uh, it's it's interesting to watch. Well, so I, I got to say, I wish we had the full video to see, not uh, not the. Elvis already lawyered We're going to just show you what we have. Well, let's watch the partial video. All right, let's watch so we can see it now. So this is Jason Bowe. Jason's truck. Pulls in front of the Uber driver. And then he stops, gets out of his car, walks back toward the Uber. Uh, and you and hear it just that quick. Yeah. All right, that was maybe three seconds. That was about three seconds, a little bit less. And so now here, that, that picture now, right there. What is that? Now, what is he holding in his hand? Now, Mark? I wish we had, what he is holding in his hand is a cell phone. Okay. No gun. Now, if you look at that picture closely, in my opinion, and, and now I will be the lawyer, if, if I want to fake having a pistol at you, I'm going to do this, right? I'm going to protect it. I'm gonna, it's going to look like a pistol. And it's dark. And it is dark, but, but yeah. I'm going to do one mm -hmm. of these, right? Don't forget, there are headlights on it, so it's not horribly dark. So I'm going to do one of these, and then now I'm making believe it's a pistol, and better chance that you're going to think it's a pistol. If I have a cell phone, and I may want to call people, like, why are you pointing a pistol at me, which may well have been what happened, before this tape started, I'm going to have my cell phone up here. Now look at his elbow mm. and tell me where his cell phone is. In my opinion, oh, it's it is up here. 
See, when I, I watched I it, it now. When I, look at that still right there and tell me where that cell when phone When I is. watched it the first time, I thought I saw it like, like okay, this. Okay, now look at it. Tell me where it is. Okay, with the, where it is still shotted right there, I could see his arm bent right. with maybe the cell phone. And that will be ear. enhanced and we'll get a better picture of it. But yeah, so I'm not, look, my only concern with, with that, and, I, and I'm not going to do my closing argument for the case, <laughs> but my concern is that you know, a guy who has a 40 caliber weapon in his car that Uber tells him you're not supposed to have, but doesn't do anything when you have it, mm -hmm. um, who just passed the academy, which you would think is better training for de-escalation, but mm -hmm. that's really not it. Cops, and, and I represent cops, I would never want to be a cop, it's a dangerous job, but they are trained in the academy, protect yourself first at all costs, people are out there to kill you. So you get this mentality of shoot everybody around you. And that's my concern here because that seems to be what Westlake did was show off his gun because if you look at the start of the conversation, it seems to be an ongoing conversation, not where Dre, Jay, uh, Grady Judd decided to start the tape. Um, and there was some back and forth before that. Yeah. And all I'm saying is maybe a window up, a, re a reverse gear, a shot in the ground, a shot, something besides taking away the life of a father of a five-year-old might have been a better way to do it.